Amen. I love what he said, that it is a holy moment. It is a holy moment. You know what makes it holy? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus makes it holy. Uh, Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus, because of Jesus, we can even have this thing we call a relationship with God, all because of Jesus. I know the holiness isn't based on my good actions or my successes. The holiness is because the lion and the lamb is here. I just, ah, such a good song. That song gets me going. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. As uh, was mentioned, pray for Micah. He uh, was leading worship at a conference with his brother in Oklahoma the last four days. And now um, he is going to be on his way from Texas to, where do we live? Edgewood. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty darn exciting. He's going to be our youth director and our worship director, and uh, I'm just thrilled to have him out here. So thank you guys so much for your prayers and, and all that you guys have done to um, make it possible for him to be here. Also, uh, Mission Woods, our room at Mission Woods. How many of you have been to our room at Mission Woods? Raise your hand just so I know. See, so quite a few, and, and we almost have one thing going on there every night. In fact, we're adding some more things. We're going to be adding a Wednesday night prayer group. We're going to be adding the Sunday night financial peace. But uh, thanks to uh, Lane Hauger and Jason Dre and Ray Mayer and Jeremy and Kent Ross, uh, we now have carpet down in that room. So you, if we could just thank them, it took a lot of work, a lot of effort. So hopefully it's a little more of the cozy fill compared to the industrial warehouse fill. So uh, we're, we're taking steps forward in that. Well, last week we finished 1 John, which I know a lot of you were excited about since I was in 1 John for quite a while. But um, today, just for those of you that want me to move faster, I'm going through 2 John, the whole thing, in one day. So there you go. You're welcome. Take me out to Applebee's and we'll call it good. All right, well, Second John, it follows some of the same themes uh, that were in First John. If you've read First John, if you've read Second John, you'll, you'll see that uh, he's addressing some of the same themes. And before we go any further, I, I think this, the University of Nottingham put together a quick little two-minute video uh, talking briefly about Second John. And so let's go ahead and watch this, and then uh, we'll open up our Bibles and, and go through Scripture. The book of 2 John, or the second letter of John, is the shortest book in the New Testament. Uh, it's just 13 verses long. It's written from John the Elder. It's very much like 1 John and 3 John, the other letters of John in the New Testament, in that it talks about similar themes. One of the main themes is he calls upon the people that he's writing to to love one another. Um, there's a story that one of the early church fathers, a person called Jerome told, he said about the aging John that he used to be carried to church week after week because he was so old and frail. And all he used to say to the people was, little children love one another. And you know, they would get tired of hearing the same thing and they would say, well, why are you just telling us that again? And he said, that's what Jesus commanded. So if you love one another, that's enough. And that's what we find in this letter. So uh, he says, I ask you, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning, let us love one another. And so that's 
a key thing for two John, that they love one another. This is written by John the Elder, and so it simply begins, the Elder. Um, is John the Elder the same John who wrote John's Gospel and John's Revelation? Well, that's one of the big questions that is discussed. Um, it certainly has a similarity of style to John's Gospel and in some ways to the book of Revelation. Um, and so together, John's Gospel, John's Letters and Revelation are called the Johannine literature the John literature. There's one interesting bit in here where he refers to antichrists um, and let's see, he says, many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So what's interesting is that for John, there's not one antichrist who comes at, at the end of time, but rather anyone who sets themselves up in opposition to Jesus, who came in the flesh as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that person can be called antichrist. So it's not just uh, a single figure, but rather a spirit, if you like, that people can take on. All right, well, if you have your Bibles open to Second John, I'd like to read it. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children. So she's writing this to a lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth and not I only but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. Verse 5, And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you, talk to you face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. All right, so let's start. First two verses. To the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. So he mentions the truth, right? He mentions the truth three different times. Those who know the truth, those who have the truth inside of them. Again, that's very similar to 1 John, and we've, we've covered this uh, a lot over the past six months. But, you know, in 1 John he says, You, however, have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you, what do you, all of you know the truth. 
I have not written you because you lack knowledge of the truth. No, I've written you because you have the truth. You have it, and because no lie comes from the truth. And then in that passage, he continues, and he says, Who is the liar if it is not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, as the man was talking. This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So John is writing these letters to those who have the truth, to those who know the truth. But then we also see that there are those without the truth. There are these liars, these who deny that Jesus is the Christ. In 2 John verse 7, he writes, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So as you look at John, and as you look at 1 John and 2 John, he's creating quite the dividing line, right? There's a line that has been created between those who know the truth, who are in the truth, who have the truth inside of them, compared to those who are liars or deceivers or the Antichrist. Jeremy, would you mind turning me down a little bit? And so that dividing line is Jesus Christ. Whether you deny that Jesus is the Christ, deny that he came in the flesh, or believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, for most of us in this room, we would say that, yeah, we believe, right? We accept that Jesus is the Christ. We believe he came in flesh, fully man, fully God. And because of this, the Bible promises that the spirit of truth is inside of us. Did you know that, right? The Holy Spirit is inside of us. Second John verse 2 just told us that, that we have the spirit of truth who lives in us and the promise and will be with us forever, right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But then scripture here, there's a warning, right? There's a warning that there are those who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, and because of this, they do not know the truth. And again, according to scripture, they're liars, they're antichrist, they're far from God, without the spirit of God, without the spirit of truth living inside of them. And now because this spirit of the antichrist is alive and well, and they're alive and well in deceivers, alive and well in false prophets, I see, and I hopefully you see it too as you read John, because of this, John has a passion in his writing, right? John, in the words he uses, how he uses his words, how he writes, there is a passion. And you know his passion, it's for God, but his passion is also for you. John really wants you to know, God really wants you to know who you are, right? He wants you to have a confidence that you know the truth, that you believe in Jesus as the Christ, that you believe that he's the one who came in the flesh, that you believe, and because of your belief, you have the confidence that the spirit of truth is living inside of you and will be with you and will even be with you forever. So the question I would ask, and please don't answer this out loud, but just think about this, do you have that confidence this morning? You know, we've come together, it's 9.34 on a Sunday morning, 2017. As you sit today, do you have that confidence this morning? Can that be said of you? Do you believe in Jesus or do you deny Jesus? Now, if you say, yeah, of course I believe, well, then I'd ask you another question. Are you living by the spirit of truth that is inside of you, right? Are you living by the spirit of truth that's inside of you or is there the possibility that maybe you're living for something or someone else, maybe even following a deception or a lie. It's a great thing to consider. And again, I don't know where you're at with this. I don't know how you've been living your life. But it's a good thing to consider when you look at your life, when you look at the trajectory, the path of your life. Are you living a life that is being shaped and molded by the spirit of truth, 
right? Where you're being changed by the Holy Spirit's instruction and the Holy Spirit's leading. Or are you living by your own desires, your own wants, living for the world, maybe even making some allowances, maybe making some compromises, where if we're honest, you're being deceived by the spirit of the world. And I, and I ask those questions, and I say that because it happens. That kind of deception, deception it happens all of the time. You know why it happens all the time? Because Satan is really good at deceiving. If you say Jesus is the great provider, I would say Satan is the great deceiver. He is so good at deceiving people. And these false prophets, whom the Bible says are of the devil, guess what? They're really good at deceiving people. John, in, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, I'm writing all of this. He's like, I'm writing you these things. Why? I'm writing them to warn you. It's a warning to warn you and to just let you know that there are those around you that are wanting to lead you astray. False prophets that want to lead you astray. And by the way, false prophets leading people astray, that's not just a Bible thing, right? That's not just back in the day in biblical times when these false prophets would lead people astray. That happens all the time. It happens today as much as it has ever happened. Just think of the messages that are being preached. The messages that are being preached by media, the message that is being preached by politicians, the message that's being preached by preachers and businessmen, maybe even the message that is being preached around your own dinner table. The message, the deception, it's everywhere. It's easy to be deceived. And also I'd say that it's easy to be deceived because if it wasn't, there wouldn't be so many scriptures about deception, right? If it was something that we already hit out of the park, there'd be no reason to have warning after warning after warning against the spirit of deception that comes from the devil and his prophets. If you remember Jesus, and I think it's always good to remember Jesus, he had a pretty... Uh, pretty um, intense, I would say, statement about false prophets. You might remember this. He said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you. I love Jesus. He's so good at this. He goes, he comes in with sheep's clothing, right? So he kind of looks like the rest of the sheep. But inwardly, what are they? They are ferocious wolves. They are ready to tear you apart. And it's not fun to think about, but I want to add this. Just because we're in this church building this morning does not mean that we are immune to people who will try to deceive us. In the church world, I have encountered this spirit. You've encountered this spirit more than once, right? More than twice. Numerous times. People with wrong motives, wrong desires, wrong attitudes toward Jesus and what it means to live for Jesus. I know myself, I have been led astray. You know, no one wants to admit to that, but you'll hear something that a man will say and you're like, man, that sounds really good. And you begin to follow that man. And all of a sudden, when you look back at scripture, you go, how did I get here? It happens all the time. But that's why John warns us. Peter warns us. Paul warns us. And Jesus he warns us. They all warn us in this area of deception. But the encouraging news today, and praise the Lord for encouraging news, is simply this. These scriptures of warning, they are written with a purpose. They're written to encourage us and to empower us because as sons and daughters of God, and as I look around the room, most of us are sons and daughters of God, people who have the spirit of truth within us, God wants us to know today that we do not have to be deceived. We do not have to be deceived. That's why he's writing these letters. We don't have to be deceived. We don't have to be defeated. We can remember 
who we are. We can remember, as Tim Tebow said, whose we are. We can remember that the truth is in us. We can remember that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe Jesus is the Christ. We believe He's the Messiah. We believe that He came in the flesh, that He died for our sins. And we can have the promise, and we can have the confidence in the promise that whoever believes in Jesus has life in Jesus. That is the confidence we have. Whoever has the Son has the Father, and whoever has the Father has eternal life. Praise the Lord. And today, I, I want to encourage you in Scripture, I believe, would want to encourage you. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Right? There has to be a stubbornness in your faith. Right? Where you hold on to the simplicity, the truth, the simple truth of who you are in Christ. And allow your actions, allow your decisions not to be based on others and what others are doing, what others are saying but based solely on who you are in Jesus Christ. And be wary, be wary of anyone who tries to add to the simplicity of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because I've noticed, humanity is always trying to add things, add secrets to what it means to be a Christian. I was walk, watching a short documentary this week about a church program. It was a school program, and it just started to look more and more like a cult compared to a church. And without going into too much detail, as I was watching this, it looked pretty good on the outside. It, it was actually based on biblical principles, right? It was based on Scripture, but it had what I would say that form of godliness without being from God. It was more about following a set of rules, following a list of regulations instead of walking in an abiding relationship with God. So it was don't watch certain movies, right? No dancing. You can wear this. You can't wear this. You can do this. You can't do this. Parents would send their kids to this program back in the 80s because they were afraid, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and they didn't want their kids to get stuck in, in, into that, so they sent them to this program. But it was a behavior modification system instead of an abiding relationship with God. So these kids, they didn't find Jesus. Some of them did. Of course, God can use anything. But a lot of these kids, they didn't find Jesus. They found rules. And so it was deceiving people. It was pulling people away from a true abiding relationship with God. And that kind of system, by the way, has been around forever. Jesus' harshest words were with the Pharisees, or you could say maybe uh, like the pastors of the day who knew the rules. These Pharisees, they knew the rules better than anybody. They were zealous in following the rules, and they wanted everybody else to follow the rules. And yet Jesus comes in, and he speaks to the Pharisees. He speaks to the teachers of the law, and he says, you hypocrites. Isaiah, he was right when he prophesied about you. For Isaiah wrote, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. And listen to this. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And there it is, right? Often false prophets, they come in with man-made ideas, man-made rules, and they teach them as if they are commands from God. But Christianity, it's just not about following a bunch of rules. Christianity is about putting your faith and your belief and your trust, even your life, 
into the one who fulfilled all the worlds, who fulfilled the entire law. He has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. And as you believe in him, the one who fulfilled the law, you can know God and God can know you. By believing in him, the only perfect sacrifice, you can abide in him and him in you. Please, church, I'd encourage you as you leave these doors today, hold on to the simplicity of the gospel. Hold on to what it means to put your trust and belief in what Jesus has done for you. That, by the way, that faith and that belief, it will be attacked. It will be attacked for as long as you're alive. But anytime, anytime someone comes in to try to add to what Jesus has done for you, be wary, right? That's when you need to have the red flags come up. That's when you need to exercise the discernment that comes from the spirit of truth that's within you. And hallelujah that you have that. Every one of us are empowered in that way by the spirit of truth. But allow that discernment to rise up. Because again, false prophets, they will always come. For as long as you have breath, you will encounter false prophets. Again, whether it's in this church or on TV or in your school or workplace or family, wherever it might be, when they try to add or manipulate to the truth of the gospel, I want to encourage you, John wants to encourage you, Father God wants to encourage you, you do not have to be deceived. Don't you love Romans when he says, if you believe in the name of the Lord, what? You will be saved. Church, be stubborn. Hold on to that. Trust in that. Have a confidence in that. Believe in Jesus. All right. So good. Well, there's some other verses that uh, John talks about in, in, this, in this Bible um, or in this, in this letter. He picks up a major theme that was addressed in 1 John. Again, the video talked a little bit about it. And it's this idea that Jesus gave his followers commands to follow. He mentions these commands in both 1 John and 2 John. He clearly states that as believers in Christ, there are commands for us to follow. Now, it's important to understand these aren't things that men are telling us to do, right? These aren't things that men are commanding us to do. These are commands from Jesus himself. This is how John writes it. He says, Dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command. But one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. Everyone say, love one another. Love one another. another. And this is love. This is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. And as you've heard from the beginning, his command, you know what his command is? Is that you walk in love. And I love that he writes it that way. Just mentally and visually, I love the idea of walking in love. It's so beautiful to me. I mean, think about it. Jesus, he's my Lord. He's my king, and he could, I guess he could be anything, right? I mean, there could be different characteristics about him, different commands from Jesus, and yet the one who is my Lord and my king, this one great command that he has, don't you love, aren't you just thrilled to be a Christian? This one great command from Jesus is to love God and to love others. Don't you just love that, that you serve a king who is all about love, the command, love one another. And then he says, this is love. This is love, to walk in obedience to his commands. And what is his command? Walk in love. So there's a command for us to follow. If you've been with us over the past several months, we've talked about this command almost every week. And yet here John writes it again. Again, do you think this command might mean a little bit, might be important to John, right? Do you think this command maybe is important to God? I, I think so. Do you think maybe it should be important to us? 
Yeah, absolutely. Dear lady, love one another. It's the great commandment you've had from the beginning, and this is love. If you love God, you're going to walk in obedience to his commands. You're going to walk in obedience to his commands. This is almost exactly like what Jesus says. If you remember John 14, John 14, 15, 16. If you're bored one day, just read John 14, 15, 16. Those are some killer uh, chapters in the Bible. But in John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. A couple verses later, he says, all who love me, they're going to do what I say. They're going to keep my commands. And if Jesus was standing here, I was thinking about this week. If he was standing here and he said, you know what? You guys, if you love me, keep my commands. What would we say? We'd say, well, yes, we love you, Lord. We want to keep your commands. Give us your command, and we will do whatever you ask us to do. And then here in 2 John, verse 6, like he said in 1 John, he says, well, guess what? His command, Jesus' command, is that you walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. I think that's just a great way to describe it, to walk in love. And I hope, again, that you've heard this over and over and over, week after week after week after week at LifeSpring. Jesus' great command for his followers is to love God and to love others, to walk in love. And by the way, you can't control how others love, right? You can't control how other people are dishing out the love of God in this world, what others do. In fact, as you're sitting today, don't like look to the left or right, no elbows, but really you can't control the person to your left, right? You can't control the person to your right. You can't control how they love or how they don't love. But as Jesus commands you, as Jesus commands me, I will obey him. I will walk in love. Now at this point, please don't try to just muscle up a bunch of willpower or self-effort, right, and decide, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to love everybody. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to do that, right? I'm going to, I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love you. I'm, ah, I'm going to love you. You ever tried that? It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Loving people in your own strength, it never works. And by the way, that kind of love, where you just kind of grit it, and you just kind of muscle it, and willpower it through, that's not the love that John or Jesus or your Father God would be asking you to give. Instead, John would encourage you, Jesus would encourage you, that again, you need to know and have confidence that the Spirit of truth, where is the Spirit of truth? The Spirit of truth is inside of you, and He will give you what you need to follow this command of love. Do you believe that, church? I'll explain it this way. When we talk about walking in love, it cannot be a love that comes from your own power. It must be a love that comes from the power of God that is inside of you. Again, that's why it's so important to remember Christianity is not about following a bunch of rules out there somewhere, right? These list of rules that I'm going to follow. No, it is about an abiding relationship with God where God is in here and I am living, I am moving and breathing and living from that place and from that power of relationship. See, the more that you dive into relationship with God, the more you become aware of the supernatural resources that you have that all come from a relationship with God. See, in God's presence, when you're in God's presence, you don't have to muscle up love for other people. Love in his presence, love is just a byproduct. It is a fruit of walking with God. It is a fruit of being in the presence of God. The more you remember who you are, the more you remember whose you are, and the more that you live from that place, the more you grow in love and the more the fruit of the Spirit is expressed in you and expressed through you. Hallelujah. 
Don't muscle it. Relax in his presence and allow love to flow into you and through you. Don't be deceived. Come back to the basics. Remember, the simplicity of the gospel. Christianity is God chose you and you said yes to God. When you said yes to God, you also said yes to his son's sacrifice. When you said yes to his son's sacrifice, your sins were all washed clean. Washed us clean from our sins. This is a holy room. Why? Because of Jesus washing our sins away. But Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, has made us into new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. As new creations, the Holy Spirit has filled us. This spirit of truth is in us. And then from that place of divine salvation where God has rescued us and saved us, now the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth lives inside of us. He is abiding in us and we begin to walk it out. We walk out the journey. We walk out the process of becoming more like Christ and there is a great freedom in becoming more like Christ. Because when you're in Christ and when you're free in Christ, you don't have to wake up every morning, come out of bed and pull out the list of do's and don'ts, right? Well, the do's and don'ts that I must follow to be changed, to be like Jesus. No, you wake up every morning. I wake every morning realizing that I am in a relationship with God where I can spend time with God in freedom, in grace, in peace, and God moves and he breathes inside of us. And as he does, a good work is actually done inside of us, praise the Lord. And guess what? Our behavior, it actually kind of changes. Have you noticed that? What we want changes. What satisfies and doesn't satisfy changes. But one of the greatest changes that happens in us from that place of relationship, abiding relationship with God, one of the miraculous changes that happens in each one of us as sons and daughters of God is that our hate is transformed into love. Our hate is transformed into love. It's even replaced with the love of God. As Christ and his kingdom takes over, as Christ and his kingdom begins to reign and rule in your life, love begins to be expressed in your life. Love begins to be expressed because the God of love, he's alive and he's healthy within you. And that's the wonderful transforma transformation that takes place in all of us. The transformation, though, we've got to get this straight. It doesn't come from following the rules. It comes from an intimate fellowship, relationship with God. So this week, the worst thing you could do is leave this place and just try harder, right? Please don't just try harder. Don't pull out that list of do's and don'ts. But instead, surrender, Amen. right? Surrender. Relax in his presence. Allow God and allow love to breathe into you and to breathe through you. Friday morning, Friday morning, I woke up so depressed. Just the heaviness of depression. And there was, if you've ever been there, there's not much you can do, right? You're just kind of there, and you eat a banana, drink some water. But if we're honest, you know, we've all kind of gotten to that point from time to time. It happens to all of us. But then here I am sitting and looking at Second John. And again, not knowing what to do, I wrote a prayer. I wrote a prayer on paper. I want to read you that prayer. And I would say this as well. That prayer got me through that day. Isn't that amazing how God gives you just enough to make it through some of those types of days? But listen to what I wrote. I said, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that because of you, the spirit of truth resides in me. So I choose to live this day not by my strength, but by your strength and your power. In my weakness, I need your grace. I need your grace to be sufficient for me. 
Jesus, I want to be an example of your love to others. So I need you right now to fill me up. Fill me up so I can follow you. Fill me up so I can truly, supernaturally walk in your love. Help me today, Jesus. <laughs> in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, don't be deceived, right? Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't believe those false prophets. Maybe even in your own head, you know some of the deception that's going on. I would just say, if you, you feel like kind of your mind's cluttered, just say the name of Jesus. Sometimes we don't know what to pray, just say the name of Jesus again and again and again. There's more power in the name of Jesus than I think we realize. But today, rise up in faith, right? As we sing, as we worship the Lord, rise up. But also, hold on to what you have in Jesus. And don't let nobody take that away from you. Nobody separates you from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. And with that, you kind of have to walk it out, right? Walk it out. Walk in love. Confidently walk this thing out. Walk what you have in Jesus. Walk in the newness of life. Walk not in darkness, but walk by the light of Christ. Allow God to fill you. Allow God to lead you and to guide you. Surrender. Wave the white flag. Allow him to fill you. Allow him to renew your mind. Sometimes we need a renewing of our mind. Allow him to transform your heart. Sometimes we need a transformation of our heart. Let him show you by his spirit of truth what it looks like to walk in his love. And then finally, remember that you have the Son of God, and whoever has the Son has the Father. And whoever has the Son and has the Father has eternal life in Him. Amen? Amen. Well, church, at this time we're going to receive communion, and if the ushers could begin handing out communion, I couldn't think of a better way to end a service like this than remembering Jesus. In communion, it's not just remembering some historical Jesus from 2,000 years ago, of what he did uh, someday, uh, someday back in the past. The reality is we remember that he died on the cross, hallelujah. But then three days later, what did he do? You remember? <laughs> he rose from the dead. That means we don't serve and worship a historical Jesus. We worship the living God. We worship the one who has even conquered death itself. We do not worship one who corroded and turned back to dust and turned back to dirt. We trust and we worship and we remember one who is alive right now. The beautiful thing about that, when we think about deception and we think about all the things in this world, and I don't want to scare anybody, but the reality is this is an encouragement to remember that you have Jesus right now with you, helping you, leading you, guiding you by his Holy Spirit, teaching you, training you, disciplining you, correcting you. He loves you and he wants to lead you today. And the reality with communion, I don't know how many times you've done